All right, turn to the book of Ephesians tonight, Ephesians chapter number 6, Ephesians chapter number 6, and we're going to look at a, a familiar passage of Scripture tonight and one that I've preached from uh, a few times over the last couple of months, uh, but we'll look at a completely different uh, message this evening, and uh, we want to be reminded that I'm going to be very uh, simple, very practical, uh, but what the truth I'm going to preach on tonight is very important for us to be reminded of. And uh, so I want you to give me your attention tonight, and uh, we look forward to seeing what the Lord has for us. And let me remind you uh, to be faithful in the days ahead. Things, of course, are different, but as we start getting back into our uh, old routine, if you will, uh, I want to be uh, mindful of the people around us and be a witness and uh, uh, be able to reach them, and of course, uh, in, our, in our own homes and our own families, be what we're supposed to be during this time. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter number 6. I'll begin reading verse number 10, and I'm going to read down through verse number 14. And so if you'll follow along with me, beginning with verse number 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I want you to notice that word, stand. Uh, as I re read my Bible and then study my Bible, there's just certain words that every time I see them, I circle them, I underline them. And stand is one of those words. So we see that tonight, uh, that stand against the wiles of the devil. Uh, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. If we were to continue reading tonight, we would read through the different pieces of armor uh, that the Christian is supposed to uh, put on. Uh, I have preached in the last couple of months from this passage of Scripture about how we're not to uh, battle flesh and blood. Uh, we're not supposed to be afraid of flesh and blood. Uh, the Scripture tells us uh, what we should be focused on, and we need to be reminded of that. Uh, but we see that word stand, and I want us to see that word tonight. This passage of Scripture does not tell us that we are to win the victory. It tells us to stand. And sometimes we look at the enemy, we look at what we face and we say, well, I can't win that. You're missing the whole point whenever we take that mindset. Uh, we're told to just uh, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. My responsibility is just to stand. As I preached this morning, uh, the key to overcoming worry. It, it, we're not commanded to never worry. but We are commanded to fret not, to, to be anxious, to, to continue to worry. We can overcome that. Well, if I, it, what I'm facing, Pastor, it causes me to worry. God will take care of that. The same is true, not just in spiritual warfare, but the same is true in our life as a Christian. <clears throat> Tonight, I want us to look at this passage, but I want to pay uh, a careful attention to the last phrase of verse 13, <clears throat> and having done all to stand. Uh, not just the word to stand, not just the word stand that we see in verse number 11, not just the word stand, it begins 14, but I want you to not overlook the words done all. I believe tonight, if we were to take a poll, all of us here would, would say it's important for a Christian to stand. 
It's important for a Christian to stand on the Word of God. I don't think there would be any disputing that tonight. I think if you went to the average Christian, uh, they wouldn't understand whether they do it or not. They'd understand the importance of a Christian taking a stand. But tonight I want you to focus your attention on those two words, done all to stand. If we don't pay attention to the done all, we're not going to stand where we need to stand. We're not going to stand when we need to stand. And standing in a Bible position is certainly needed in our day today. There are a lot of churches that, quite frankly, they need their pastor to stand. They're not standing. But the other side of that coin is there are some pastors that are willing to stand, but the people won't stand. And we as God's people need to stand where God tells us to stand. So tonight I want to ask a question as a title of my message. Have you done all? I'm going to look tonight very practically at the thought, the command, the responsibility we have to stand. I'm going to give us some practical things tonight that will help us take the stand, have the proper stand. But I want to ask you that question tonight. Have you done all? Father, I pray tonight that you'll help us as we look into the Word of God. May the Spirit of God be our teacher. May we allow the Word of God to instruct us. And Father, may we all determine to stand as you would have us to stand. Uh, while there is a responsibility to stand, there's a reason why we stand. And Father, I pray that uh, you would help each of us realize the importance and realize that there are some things that we must do in order to take the right stand. Father, I pray for our nation again tonight. May God's people stand where they need to stand and stand firm on the Word of God. And Father, it's the salt it's the light. It's the salt that preserves. It's the light that shows the way. And Father, I pray that we would just focus on being that. And Father, may you give us the victory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, the Apostle Paul is writing here and giving us some great instruction on the importance of the child of God putting on the armor. And to put in context, of course, he's speaking of spiritual warfare and we spent some time in, in weeks past talking about the principalities, the rulers of the darkness, the spiritual wickedness in high places. There is an armor that you as a child of God are to put on. It does matter how much you and I are in the Word of God because we are engaged with an enemy. It does matter how we live even in 2020 because we are engaged with an enemy. It does matter that the church is the church the way the scripture says it's to be because we are engaged with an enemy. In verse number 13 is such an important verse in the life of the Christian. We take on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. I wrote about this in my book, Satan's Toolbox, and it's such an important uh, principle for you and I to live by. When the evil day comes, we are not warned when that evil day is. I use the example of Lot and how Lot, uh, his life was just, his family was just destroyed. Uh, the, 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 the story of Lot is one of the most tragic and just, just, it's just a horrible story of Lot and his family. The evil day was not when he was in Sodom and the judgment of God came. The evil day was when he pitched his tent toward Sodom. 
And so we want to put on the armor of God so that we can withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. The Apostle Paul understood the importance of standing. He understood the price that you would pay for taking a stand. I, for one, am thankful that the Apostle Paul stood as he he was in his ministry to the Gentile people. I'm thankful for that. But he gives us a good picture of the importance of standing. Certainly, we are reminded from this passage of Scripture of the stand that we are to be prepared for every day. We say, Pastor, tomorrow is just Monday. It's another work day. You don't know what you're going to face tomorrow. You don't know the spiritual battle you may face tomorrow. You don't know what may, what may come your way, what life may bring you tomorrow, and you better put on the armor. You better be prepared to stand where a Christian should stand. When 2019 rolled into 2020, we didn't understand some of the things that we were going to face in this year. Uh, but we don't know what we're going to face tomorrow. So there's a daily stand that you and I must be prepared for and must be willing to take. I think of the seasonal stand, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight. What do I mean by that? There are periods in your life where you're going to have to take some stands uh, because it's just where you are in life. It's the season of life. What comes to mind is, of course, the first thing that comes to my mind is as you have children in your home and you're rearing your children, there are stands that you have to take in order to rear your children according to the Word of God. Let me remind all the parents, it's not your responsibility for your kids to think you're the coolest parents. They, They don't, by the way. It's your responsibility to have the proper stand so that they can be taught the things of God, so that they can understand what the Word of God teaches, and that is a seasonal stand, something you and I must be prepared for. As a a young person, we have a a, a lot of uh, young people, teenagers, young adults, even young couples, but especially those young adults, you've got to understand in this season of life, There are some positions you must take. You need to be prepared. You won't always have to take these particular stands. It's a seasonal stand. Of course, we also look at this passage of Scripture, and when we think of having done all this stand, it is a stand over the course of a lifetime, the life of a Christian. You and I are going to stand before our God one day, And we're going to give an account, not of our talent, but what we did with our talent. Not with what we achieved, but what we did with this life that God has given us. Did we do the things that we were supposed to do? And quite frankly, were we faithful? Part of faithfulness is having the right stand. You cannot be a faithful Christian without standing where the Bible says stand. As a pastor, it's my responsibility to be faithful in my Christian life. It's my responsibility to be faithful to preach the Word of God. That means I am to stand where the Bible says to stand. There is a stand over the course of a lifetime. I hope you are like me tonight, and I believe you are, that when our life is done, whether we're raptured out of here or we all cross over through the other side, uh, through that portal of death, but we get to glory on the other side having been faithful 
having stood where we are supposed to stand. I'll give an illustration tonight that might help illustrate uh, the point that I'm trying to make this evening. Many of you have asked me today, how am I doing? Because as you know, I married off my eldest child, my oldest daughter, Friday night. And my simple answer to that is, I feel awesome. I feel great. Oh, it was, it was, and I do, I do feel good. And it's a wonderful, wonderful day. It was a wonderful evening. And uh, some of you have asked, some of you said, well, Pastor, you, you kept it together a lot more than I thought you would keep it together. And uh, were you emotional at all? And uh, my response to that is, I was emotional. It, uh, most of my emotions were the day before I, 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 I wrote Alyssa a letter, and it caused me to reflect back on her life. And it was in that moment that the Spirit of God said to this dad, having the right stand has its benefits. And the Lord just brought back to memory all the battles, brought back to memory all of the fights, between me and her, that's what I'm talking about. The, the, the Lord brought back to memory all of the decisions, all of the separations by family, all the separations by so-called friends, brought back all of that. And then when you, you, when you sit and you look at the goodness and the gracious of God, that is a seasonal stand that I had to take as a father, and there is a benefit to that. Now, that's not the only stand tonight that I have to take. I have to stand in a Bible position for the rest of my life. You have that responsibility. But see, now I don't have to fight those battles that I had to fight for her. I just pass that off. That's no longer my responsibility. You say, Why do you have that grin on your face? Because I know it's no longer mine. No, it's a seasonal stand. In life, there are stands that you and I have to take. As a church, it's more important that we have the right stand than anything else. It's more important that we have the right foundation than anything else. We do not have a right to even exist if we get away from this book. It's important with the stand. And I want every Christian to be reminded of this tonight, that you have a responsibility to stand where the Bible says for you to stand. Now, I'm going to be very practical tonight. And as I was, has been, have been nostalgic in thinking back and use this illustration, I've been in, in ministry now more. I'm 46 years of age. I've been in ministry almost 25 years. If the Lord doesn't rapture us out and He doesn't call me home, I call me home. I hope to have at least that much more in the future. So I've got a little bit I can look back and see some stands that I've had to take as a preacher and understand that there's going to be some more stands in the future that have to be taken. But Christian, you have to also understand that Ephesians chapter number 6 is for you as well. Ephesians chapter number 6 is for us. If we're going to be found faithful, we have to understand we are engaged in a spiritual warfare. We have to put on the armor of God. We have to stay close 
to our Lord. We have to keep focused on Him. We have to be grounded in the Word of God. That's why it's important that we are faithful to the things of God because when it's said and done, I want to be able to say, I've done all. Everything in my power. Well, why did you fall? This is why you got to be in church every time the church doors are open. Well, I don't think I need it. Well, have you done all? Uh, I want to say, I've done all I could. I want to pray every prayer that I could have prayed. I want to give all that I could have given. I want to be able to say, I've done all. And many times when we falter and we fall in our Christian life, and by the way, I'm thankful that the Lord will help us up. I'm thankful that the Lord will restore us. I'm thankful that we have a forgiving and a gracious and a merciful and a patient God, aren't you? Because if we didn't, none of us would be here tonight because we are but flesh. I'm thankful for that. And I find in my own life and the life of other Christians, when there is a stumble, when there is a fall, you can trace it back. You didn't do all that you could have done to stand. Let me mention a few things tonight that I think will help us Stand and be able to say, we've done all. Very practical tonight. I want to say, number one, keep your standards high. Keep your standards high. Don't lower your standards. Keep your standards high. It's one of the problems we face in our society. We keep lowering standards. We've lowered standards of morality. We've lowered standards of what's expected to work of what work is. We've lowered standards of, uh, of, of just uh, uh, what, even in our education, we just keep lowering the standards. But as a child of God, you are saved by the grace of God. You have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. You and I serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That book right there tells us that we are ambassadors. We don't belong to this world. We ought to keep our standards high. Don't lower your standards for this world. Don't lower your standards for, for, for any man. And by the way, if you're a single adult tonight and you're, and you're looking for that spouse, if you've got to lower your standards for them, they're not the right one. Keep your standards high. Keep them high. Don't lower your standards in your personal living. Keep your standards high. Pastor, I haven't been saved very long. I don't know what all, I don't, that word standard, what, what is it, your, your personal living. If, until you develop, I say this often, I'll say it again. Until you develop your own standards, borrow your pastor's. But somewhere along the line, you need to have your own. Because I'm not going home with you. I'm not going to work with you. But keep your standards high. We live in a world where they're mocked, they're made fun of. We ought to have standards for our personal living, principles that we live by. I'll use a word that we're afraid to use now. We ought to live a holy life. Christians should live clean. You know, when this is one church that's not going to try and entice you by carnality. Because our standards ought to be high. We live by high standards, not because we're better than somebody else, but because we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And my responsibility, my calling, and yours as well, is to live a life that reflects our Savior. That's our goal. That's our standard. Keep your standards high in your personal living. Keep your standards high in your personal relationships. 
The scripture is full of examples, and I've seen it happen in my years of ministry. It's a who that gets the child of God away from God. It's a who that puts the doubt in the mind of a Christian. It is a who that pulls him away from the things of God. Keep your standards high in your personal relationships. You can be friendly, but everybody doesn't have to be your friend. And by the way, everybody that sends you a friend request on Facebook isn't really your friend. I hate to, I hate to crush you with that tonight. But keep your standards high in your personal relationships. Because I want to... I say, Pastor, why are you reminding us of, of this tonight? Because I want us all to be reminded of the importance of having done all to stand. Mom and Dad, keep your standards high. Keep them high for your children. Teach them that it's... And by the way, don't go home and badmouth the standard of living that is preached from behind this pulpit. If you don't want to live it, that's between you and God. You'll give an account for it, just like I'll give an account for it. But you don't want to put a doubt in your child's head. And maybe you ought to live by it just for the sake of your children. I'll just throw that out there to you tonight. Keep, keep your standards high. See, uh, what we have to understand is, 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 this is a great statement, you don't change your direction, change is a direction. I don't know any church, and I, I know, I know a, I, I've been around church my whole life. I, I'm very aware of church history. I'm very aware of trends that are taking place in our nation. I talked to you over a year on the emerging church and all of that, those things. I'm pretty aware of what's going on, and there is no church that just makes one change. Because change is a direction. We must keep the standards high. My, my, I implore you tonight, just keep your standards high. Keep them high. Do, do whatever the Bible tells you to do. Say, Pastor, where should I set my, my personal living in this area, in this area, in this area? Where should I set that? You get in that book, you do what that Bible says, you establish you some Bible principles, and let the Holy Spirit of God can teach you and tell you where you want to live. Truth of the matter is, you don't need your pastor to always be telling you. Because if you've got the Spirit of God inside of you, the, He'll convict you of it. And truthfully, the Spirit of God is going to lead you to live a higher standard than even this preacher will. Because the ministry, one of the, the, the purposes of the Spirit of God is to help us become more like our Savior. So if we're going to have done all, you have to keep your standards high. Number two, guard your heart from bitterness. Guard your heart from bitterness. What I mean by that is to be quick to forgive. Be quick to forgive. There's a lot of Christians tonight who aren't standing where they ought to stand, and it's because they've got a bitter heart. The pastor said something or didn't handle something right, or brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, or, or this person or that person, and instead of being quick to forgive... They allowed that root of bitterness. I, I, I've said this, and I, I, I'm pretty certain I'm right on this. We don't have to shut the bars down for us to have revival in our nation. We don't have to shut Hollywood down to 
have revival in our nation if the bitter Christians would just get their hearts right with God, it'd turn this nation upside down. It'd turn it upside down. One day, I'm going to stand before God. You know, when we all stand before God, uh, we're going to have a sense, I believe, of, man, I wish I'd have done a little bit more. No matter how much we do. Because we're going to be in the presence of the one who died for us. But as I, I live my life, I don't want to allow bitterness to move me off of my stand. To move me away from that which I should be. If we're going to have done all, be quick to forgive. Be quick to trust God. There are many of us, if not all of us tonight, who have faced some things in our life that we've just simply had to as I preached this morning, commit that to the Lord. Roll it over on God and just trust Him. Can I challenge you tonight? And it does go with having a right stand. Be quick to trust God. Be quick to depend on Him. We're not going to guard our heart from bitterness if we don't have a compassionate heart. Oh, that's, that's missing I believe in many, many times and many places in our Christian life is a compassionate heart. See, there's this misnomer that a stand is mean, that a stand is cruel. And, and oh, come over here, be with us. We don't have any stand, and it's because we love you. Oh, no, that's not the case. Love is a stand, love is a standard. Somebody who just allows. Someone in their care to just, just go uninhibited over the cliff. They don't care for them. Well, I, I, I preach the way I do. I stand where I stand because I, I have seen a little bit further down the road. I know what is down there. And I'd, I'd be, I'm willing to make you my enemy by drawing a stand because I care about you, because I love you, because I know what this world will do, and that is the truth in each and every life. To have a compassionate heart as a Christian is to have the right stand. But keep that compassionate heart. It will guard you from bitterness. If we're going to have done all, number three, and I could stay here all night, but I won't, have a list of non-negotiables. I have a list of non-negotiables. Pastor, when are you going to start a YouTube channel to, to debate your position? Never. I, I, I don't debate. But I do have a list of non-negotiables. Now my responsibility as a pastor is to teach. And if you want to learn, I, I, I love studying the Bible. I love teaching the Bible. Let's learn the Bible. But we ought to tonight have a list of non-negotiables. Another way of saying this, saying it, is I often say it to myself, nobody else listens to me, but is I know what hill I will die on. I'm not going to die on every hill. But I have some hills I will die on. I have a list of non-negotiables. I just want to remind you of a few of them tonight. 
um, as the pastor of this church, the Bible is not negotiable. Uh, or what's your position? What does the Bible say about that position? And of course, when I say the Bible, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the inspired, infallible, preserved King James Bible. It's non-negotiable. I'm not negotiating it. Well, yet yeah, no, I, I'm not interested. It's, my, it's where I stand. It's where I, my feet are planted. Because when I stand before God, I don't say I've done all, have a list of non-negotiables. If you, Some of the greatest advice I heard as a young man, as a young preacher, was decide what you believe before you get into ministry. Decide what you believe before you ever pastor a church. Know where you believe. I give similar counsel to, to young couples when they're, when, in that premarital counseling. Uh, know how you're going to discipline your children before you have them. Know, know what you're, how you're going to rear your children before you have them. And you and I must establish a list of non-negotiables. The Bible is not negotiable. Well, Pastor, can we do something different? Nope. Well, can we have a business meeting over it? Nope. Uh, why? Because it's not negotiable. Um, the Bible definition of church is not negotiable. And uh, I'll just go ahead and say it. I think it'll be okay. This is a pastor-led, not a board-run church. I have a great group of men around me. My pastoral staff is a great group of men. The deacons we have here are a great group of men. I think we enjoy getting together because we like Chick-fil-A biscuits, but we, hey, it's, it's, we get together. But what's the Bible pattern? So, Pastor, can we replace... Well, we want to we reach our city in a greater way. Let's replace soul winning with social activities. Not negotiable. The church is commissioned to win the lost. That is the definition of the church. I'm not against social events. I'm not against fellowship. It is a key component in the life of a Christian is to have the right kind of fellowship. But the focus of the church is to win the lost. The focus of the church is to reach families. The focus of the church is to send out missionaries. The focus of the church is to get the gospel to those who need it. That is the focus. Are we going to change our purpose? Are we going to change? No, it's not negotiable. And just as your pastor has some non-negotiables, you need to have some non-negotiables too. Parents, your children need to know there's some non-negotiables. Yes, Sunday is a fun day. It's a fun day in church. Uh, there's non-negotiables. Don't ask me about that because that's all, you ought to have things, and in, in, in every dad ought to have things that they know that if their kids bring it up, they just imagine you going off on a tirade. Because it's non-negotiable. Why are you bringing it up? I have a list of non-negotiables. In your own life, you ought to know where your stand is, and there's some things that you're not going to give up, some things you're not going to do, some things you're not going to be a part of. There's some things that every Christian needs to have. Uh, sometimes it's inevitable that some will move away. And I don't think you, if you have a choice to stay in a right kind of a church as opposed to chasing a dollar, I think you have to stay in the right kind of a church. Amen. But sometimes, inevitably, 
there are some situations where there is no choice in the matter. And I give similar counsel, have a list of non-negotiables. I tell our young men, and we've been privileged to send out many into the ministry, have a list of non-negotiables. You can go candidate at a church, have a list of non-negotiables. It doesn't matter how much money they wave in front of you, you have a list of non-negotiables. Every child of God ought to have a list of non-negotiables that they're going to live by, having done all, number four, and finally tonight. If we're going to be able to say we've done all, you need to keep your eye on the prize. Philippians 3.14, Paul writes again, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 4.8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Of course, we've been looking at that passage of Scripture some on Wednesday nights. Paul comes to the end of his life. He speaks of that crown of righteousness that the Lord himself is going to present to him. Can you imagine what a sight that is going to be to see the Apostle Paul get his crown? How amazing. Sometimes, I, and you know I like to read history, and sometimes I read those history books, and I think, man, what would have been amazing to be an eyewitness. I read scripture, and you know, earlier this year I had the privilege of going to Israel, and now you, have, you, can, you can visualize, and what would it have been like? And I remember going out on that boat out on the Sea of Galilee, visualizing the Lord walking on that water. But I can also look ahead and imagine the best I can what Paul writes about. The Apostle Paul who wrote those words is now getting the crown. Yeah, just let me just remind you and I, we think we're doing a lot for God. The Apostle Paul getting his crown. What an awesome sight that's going to be. But I got something better than that. The Bible says, in 2 Timothy 4.8, as I just read, that that crown says, the righteous judge shall give me at that day. That would be awesome to witness the Apostle Paul getting it. And not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. I'm looking forward to seeing Paul get his crown. But I want Paul to watch me get mine. Think about that. That's for all. Say, so, hey, Pastor, and let me not sugarcoat it. If you take the right stand, there's a price to pay. We're seeing it play out in our nation right before our very eyes. The mob is coming at that which is right, coming at that which stands. In a day when everybody is compromising and changing, it's more important that you have people take a stand. But there's a price to pay for standing. Mom and dad, there's a price to pay for standing where the Bible says to stand and you governing your home. There, there's a price to pay for doing right. But there's also a price to receive when doing so. I believe the Apostle Paul, as, as we have been studying the end of his life and kind of looking back through each of these characters at his ministry, his imprisonments, 
plural. His beatings, plural. His tortures, plural. The slanders, plural. All because of a stand. I'm certain there were times, and he writes of it, that his flesh was weak. You can, as I've already taught on one Wednesday night, you can almost hear the anguish in his words when he says, Demas hath forsaken me. He's in prison the end of his life. Demas, the co-labor, the one who's been on different aspects of this missionary journey, he's forsaken me. There's a, there's a price to pay for a stand. Keep your eye on the prize. You may not get invited to the family reunion, or you may get invited just so everybody can stare at you. That's a small price to pay. A small price to pay. To put your head on your pillow at night, knowing you've done all that I could do today to stand where God says to stand. Well, as a church, if we're going to stand on this book, there's some that don't want to stand where we stand. There's some that will attack the stand that we take. But friend, let's keep our eye on the prize. We're going to stand before we're going to see our Savior face to face. What a moment that's going to be. What a time that's going to be. At that moment, we cannot go back and relive the life that God has given us. We can't go back and change, and even tonight, we can't go back, and maybe there's some areas in our life where we haven't stood. So what are we supposed to do? Get that right, pick up, and from this moment on, stand where you're supposed to stand. But we must keep our eye on the prize. There'll be some times when we stand where God has us stand, where the Bible says to stand, and you see no benefit of it. But the day will come when you will. And if you stand in a position long enough, God allows you every once in a while to get a glimpse of the result of your stand. And it's always right to stand where God says stand. Having done all to stand. Because there's an evil day. I know this has always been true, but I'm, I'm convinced more than ever in the day we live in today. People are looking for somebody to take a stand. I'm not... Certainly is true politically, certainly is true with all going on, but I'm talking more specifically and more importantly with a Bible stand. You as a Christian, I've been saying this in some form or fashion since this whole uh, quote-unquote pandemic has taken place. The people are going to notice in the life of a Christian because they're going to pay a little bit closer attention. We have an opportunity to affect people by our stand having done all to stand Christian have you done all are you doing all very practical tonight don't lower your standards don't drop your standards 
I give you assurance tonight. Many of, our, many of us are here. Many are watching the live stream tonight. I give you assurance. The standards are staying high at the Emmanuel Baptist Church. They're staying high. And I thank God for growth in Christians. Well, it's, it thrills my heart as a, Christ, as a pastor to watch somebody born into the family of God and watching them grow. And, and by the way, you have to give people time to grow in the things of the Lord. Uh, you know, you, you weren't a Sunday school teacher overnight. And, and watching them grow. But you know, they have to have a, something to be measured up to so they can grow. They have to it's sad that somebody can, if, 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 they, if, if the gospel is even preached, but there's never given an opportunity for them to grow in their Christian life. But don't lower the standards. Uh, there's some non-negotiables. You know, uh, the hymns aren't going anywhere. Uh, it's non-negotiable. The, 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 the way that the Bible preaching is not going anywhere. Uh, guard your heart. Guard your heart. One of the saddest but well-known stories in the Old Testament is Absalom. Turning the hearts of the people. That sorry Absalom, yeah? But you can also say the sorry people. Because he stole their hearts, they did not guard their heart. You and I have a responsibility to guard our own heart against bitterness. Guard our own heart against unforgiveness. And tonight, let's... Let's do all to stand. Keep your eye on the prize. Uh, we have, Lord's blessed us with a lot of young couples. And it's exciting to watch, see them have children. They have that first child and they, between the first child and the second child, they go from expert to they have no idea what they're doing. And then so on and so forth. It's like, hey, welcome to the club. We just made it up as we went along anyway. But you watch them, and let me just challenge you tonight to keep your stand for the, the children's sake. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be things that come along. But that's stability. You know, the, the time's coming when we'll, run our, we'll be able to run our buses again. The Sunday school classes will, will meet again. The, the emphasis, we're going to be able to do what God, we're going to, we're going to do what God has instructed us to do. Uh, it's coming. Remember something. Those that live around us, those who will go and visit, those who will bring to this church, it, it's the stand, it's the standard that will make a difference in their life. Uh, let's be what we're supposed to be for somebody else. If you don't want to do it for you, do it for somebody else. Uh, but let's do it for the Lord tonight. Father, I pray that you